the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, April the 8th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 8th, 1864, the United States Senate passed 38-6, the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It abolished slavery. Today in 1513, explorer Juan Ponce de Leon and his expedition began exploring the Florida coastline. I mentioned the other day that on that day, whatever it was, a couple of days ago, that they had landed there. Well, today they got off the boat and started looking around to see exactly what was there. Today in 1904, Longacre Square in Manhattan was renamed. They called it Times Square. They called it that in honor of the New York Times. Today in 1913, the 17th Amendment to the Constitution, providing for popular election of U.S. Senators, was ratified. Prior to that time, the state legislatures appointed U.S. Senators from their state. Today in 1935, the Workers or Works Progress Administration, WPA, was approved by Congress. And today in 1952, President Harry S. Truman seized the American steel industry to avert a nationwide strike. However, the Supreme Court ruled that Truman had overstepped his authority, and as soon as they ruled that way, the steelworkers went on a seven-week strike. Today in 1974, Hank Aaron of the Atlanta Braves, he hit his 715th career home run. Remember, remember that game, baseball? We used to play it, and a lot of people would go to the games and... I wish. They're talking about some form of baseball coming back this this summer, regardless of the circumstances around the coronavirus. I hope so. I love baseball. Anyway, Hank Aaron hit his 715th career home run today in 1974. He broke Babe Ruth's record of 714 home runs. Today in 1994, sad day in Seattle for many. Kurt Cobain, and across the nation for that matter. Kurt Cobain, a singer, a guitarist, he was he was um, kind of the founder or was was had the uh, that band, that grunge band, grunge music became very popular back then. It was kind of birthed out of Seattle. Was, his band was Nirvana, and uh, he was found dead in Seattle from a apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. I think he 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 did commit suicide. But I, I think he used a shotgun, no less. He was 27 years old, very sad. I didn't like his music, but he was a talented kid. Dead. Today in 1994, 27 years old. Everything was going for him. He was making a lot of money. He was very popular. Very sad. One year ago today, the United States designated Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps as a foreign terrorist organization. Associated Press wrote a little piece about that today, I noticed, a news piece, and they called it an unprecedented declaration against a foreign government. Well, (laughs) 
with all due respect to the Associated Press, I would say that the Revolutionary Guard Corps is probably an unprecedented part of a some nation. They're a terrorist organization, and they they promote and advocate and execute terror all over the world. I don't see how that's all that unprecedented, but they say it is. I noticed today as I was looking over things that happened in history, singer Peggy Lennon. Remember the Lennon sisters on Lawrence Welk show? She's 79 years old today. I was wondering, there was a lot of girls. Did you know there were 11 kids in that family? 11. They had a big family. And um, the the four of the sisters were the known as the Lennon sisters. They were on Lawrence Welk all the time, very popular uh, among the Lawrence Welk fans. And he was very popular, as many of you remember. I think she was the second oldest of those sisters, but I know there were a bunch of brothers, too. There, I think there were like six, maybe six girls and five boys in that family. It was a, a huge family. What I do know about the family, I have friends who know them well. I have friends that were actually on the Lawrence Welk show, regulars on there. And they, of course, knew the Lennon sisters very well. They knew every, all of them knew each other. They were kind of a family. But um, what I do remember is that their father, I think his name was Bill Lennon. He worked for a golf course in Marina Del Rey there in Los Angeles. And um, somebody shot and killed him in the parking lot. He was like 53 or 54 years old. And he and his wife had all these kids. And it was out of a real need to create, you know, an income for this family that they started singing. These girls, and Lawrence Welk saw them, and as they say, the rest is history. That's probably more than you wanted to know about the Lennon sisters. That's about all I know about the Lennon sisters, except they were they were loved by many, and they had a great sound for their day, and so on. Anyway, she's 79 years old today. I think she's the second, second oldest. Bernie Sanders made an announcement this morning just about 20 minutes ago. He announced that he is withdrawing or suspending. That's the word they all use when they quit. He said he's suspending his campaign for the presidency of the United States. That clears the way for Joe Biden to be the Democratic Party's choice. Seattle Times put out a, just before I said good morning here, just like two minutes ago, I noticed on on my screen that the Seattle Times put out a, a a little, just a blurb uh, announcing this, but several others had already put it out several minutes before that. But they used the words, and they chose these words, they always do, that Joe Biden will be the Democratic Party's choice to take on President Donald Trump in November. I found that interesting because the strategy that they're using, in my opinion, I've been watching this pretty closely, is that they know that Joe Biden can't stand under pressure, any kind of pressure, even public pressure, much less if he's face-to-face with Donald Trump. And so what they're doing, in my view, they're keeping him in hiding. And, of course, this is a perfect time to do that because we're all supposed to be staying in our home and, you know, six feet apart and all that kind of thing. And, And we should be. But they're keeping him out of sight pretty much. And they're going to try to defeat Trump rather than cause or help Joe Biden to win. and Well, Gary, that's just words. No, it isn't. What they're doing, I think, I, I, I know, is that they're, Soros put 70 
eighty million into a fund just a few days ago that's all aimed at at trying to to undercut and bring down Trump. It has really nothing to do with Joe Biden except that if they can bring down Trump, Joe Biden will just win in their minds the election. But they know he can't beat Trump if it were just a contest, a normal political contest of you know of, of policy and and ideas and all that kind of thing because they don't really have any ideas. All they have is their reaction to Trump. And so that's what I what I see happening. Chuck Schumer, Senator Schumer, announced yesterday that he has raised $70 million. And his words, he said, I will use all of the $70 million I've raised to defeat Donald Trump. And that's the whole effort, is to defeat Trump. There's little to no effort to put Joe Biden out there to share his view how, and why it's better for America. So it really doesn't have anything to do with America. It doesn't really have anything to do with Joe Biden winning a contest of ideas. It has everything to do with these multi-billionaires spending vast fortunes to try to bring down Trump so their guy can win. It's kind of sad that we've gotten to that point. I mean, why can't they go at it over policies? The American people lose all the way around on this because Biden doesn't really have any policies. He just says, I'm going to be kind of Barack Obama light. I mean, that's what I hear him saying. So it's kind of sad politically. But here's the good news. God is in control. I love to say that because it's absolutely true. And it gives me an assurance. I hope it gives you an assurance, regardless of how bad, how screwed up things get, God is in control. Things can't happen unless God himself allows them to happen. We live in perilous times. These are very difficult times. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Most of us know who wrote that under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 31. We know that verse. Many of us can quote it from memory. We need to quote it. We need to tell ourselves the truth. And the truth is the Bible, God's word. Isaiah also said in chapter 61, he wrote, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's a spirit of heaviness in our country today, isn't there? But God has appointed to give you, his people, a garment of praise, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. The word of the Lord speaks light into darkness, truth into confusion. President Trump said yesterday that he's thinking about cutting funding to the World Health Organization, who, because he said they missed it entirely about what they were putting out to the world regarding the genesis of this coronavirus. And he said they seem to be 
locked at the hip with China. He didn't use that word, but it was, that's what he, he meant. He said they seemed to be locked at the hip with China. He said they almost seemed to be conspiring with China, particularly in the beginning, not to get the word out as to how bad this really was because they didn't want China to look bad, and China didn't want to look bad. And he said, I'm sick and tired of it. Well, so am I, and I've been watching that. I identified with what he said. He said, I'm thinking about, the press went nuts in his his um, daily briefing that he was doing. They were just these, I mean, they're like 20-something years old, and they're challenging, they're shouting down the president day after day. That would offend me if the president was Barack Obama, and I am not a fan of Barack Obama on many fronts. But I got to tell you, whoever is the president of the United States, whether it's Obama or whomever, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't have the right to shout down and mock the president of the United States. But that's how far this has gone to try to destroy and disdain this president. They hate him. They do. I've never seen anything like it. They didn't hate George W. Bush. He held to some of the same policies. I mean, he was more moderate and he made a lot of decisions I didn't like, particularly toward the end. I mean, I supported him strongly particularly in the beginning, but I became a little disenchanted, to be honest with you. I liked him. I mean, I never met him. I almost almost met him once. Marjorie and I were at a a place where he was speaking, and we ended up getting seated right in the front. I mean, we were like eight feet behind him, president of the United States. But I didn't know him, but I liked him, but I kind of started not liking him so much toward the end. He was making policies and saying things and doing things. I just didn't approve. But no matter, whoever it is, Bill Clinton, whoever it is, they shouldn't treat the president of the United States like that. But that's how far we've devolved through this hate Trump movement. Trump's going to go away at some point after he served four more years, hopefully. And another person will be president of the United States. That's the way it works here. But man, those people, those kids are sitting there with their little notepads yelling at the president of the United States. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. I know that's called freedom of press, but it isn't. It isn't freedom of press. It's way beyond that. It's something different than that. It's dark and sinister and inappropriate. They need to be spanked and sent home, some of them, in my view. Anyway, President Trump said yesterday that he said he's thinking about... um, Cutting off funding for who? We fund all these organizations, United Nations, all this stuff. I mean, we're the major funder. They wouldn't even exist. They couldn't exist unless we were writing the checks and paying the bills. And it isn't Trump that's paying them. We're paying them. I got my tax bill the other day, and, I mean, it's not tremendous because at this time of year, for, fortunately, don't make a lot of money, so don't have to pay. But, man, we pay those bills. Anyway, President Trump may not have to think about this much more. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, he said on television yesterday afternoon, he said, he said, I am vowing. <laughs> he said in the next appropriation bill, and he is the, the chairman of the Senate Appropriations uh, Committee subcommittee on state foreign operations and related programs, and, and he said yesterday, he said, in the next appropriation bill, there's not going to be any money for who. I'm in charge of the appropriation subcommittee. I'm not going to support funding who under his current leadership. He said they've been deceptive. They've been slow. They've been Chinese apologists. 
He said, I don't think they're a good investment under the current leadership for the United States. And until they change their behavior and get new leadership, I think it's in America's best interest to withhold funding. There will be no money in the next appropriations bill. Thank you. We need guys that stand up for something and believe in something and take action on something. I got an email yesterday from um, a person. I, I I don't know if it's a woman or a man, but they were in nursing in the 80s. And the email says, in nursing in the 80s, we were taught that in 20 to 30 years, which would be now and a little beyond that, there would be a process of determining who will be allowed to live the elderly on one end of the spectrum and the very young on the other would be allowed to die because they are or would be unproductive to society. This person says in their nursing career, they were trained and taught, they got their education at a Catholic-based school of nursing. This person said, I wanted you to know that I never could or will adhere to this thinking. We were talking about the process in Washington state by which they use democracy to arrive at a moral policy. And I was, if you weren't listening, I was talking about that on the radio. I wrote an article about it yesterday. This person was responding to that. Thank you for that. And thank you for the email. I mentioned sometimes we get some pretty gnarly, nasty ones, but for the most part, most of the emails we get are people that are, are sharing, uh, things like this or whatever, and thank you for that because it, it's helpful. And some people make me aware of things that I had missed along the line. I mean, something that's helpful to this program, so thank you so much. And I want to take just a moment today to thank you for your support of this ministry. Boy, these are these are tough times, and people are struggling, you know, on many fronts, and I, I you know, ministries and one thing or another, and I understand that. But, you know, this is in the hands of God. What we're doing is in the hands of God, and I'm sure others feel exactly the same way. I can't speak for them. But I can tell you that, you know, I have thoughtfully looked at this and thought, you know, can we continue and can we, you know, pay the bill? Because if we don't pay the bills, and I mean like sooner, not later, then we'll just turn off the microphone and we will end this. But you're standing with us. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I don't feel that we're done with this. I feel that we are to continue it. I feel strongly about it. And yet that wouldn't be enough if others didn't agree with me. And many of you do. And you're standing with us. You're supporting us. I want to thank you as sincerely and as deeply as I possibly can. It means so much to me. It's more than meeting the budget, although that's obviously necessary. It's a, it's a matter of it's a spiritual matter. Thank you so much. And I know that you will continue to do what you can as God directs you in that regard. And so thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Harry Kissinger, remember him? He came to prominence. He came to academic prominence through a book that he wrote in the 1950s. It's called The World Restored. I didn't wasn't aware of the book in the, in the 50s. I wasn't reading those kinds of things then. But I became aware of it in the 60s and into the 70s. He became famous, though, as Richard Nixon's Secretary of State. 
He became famous for what was called shuttle diplomacy. He was on the airplane all the time, going back and forth between China and this country and that country on behalf of the United States. He became a pretty famous guy, an intellectual. He also served under President Gerald Ford, but he became really well-known, very famous under Nixon's administration. Well, now he's calling, Henry Kissinger is calling for a new world order. He says we must create a new world order because coronavirus demands it. Academics and a few wannabe global leaders are huddling to call the next play to win one for Kissinger, for the kiss, as they call him. But the people of the world appear to be moving away from that, not toward globalism, but away from it, toward God's plan for nations, not the academic secularist plan for a one-world system. Trump is is very avidly and very strongly a nationalist, and I don't know if he knows what all the Bible teaches about national sovereignty and nations and boundaries. I don't know what he knows about that. I know what Mike Pence knows. Mike Pence is a true evangelical, and many others close to the president in this administration are. I know what they they know. They know what we know. They believe what we believe. But the world is different to the humanist and to the left. Trump is taking a strong position on strengthening our nation. It's called patriotism. It's called, they call it nationalism. They call it white supremacy in many cases, and that's just a lie. The press, I mean, they know better than that, but that's what they call it. But in his op-ed, the Wall Street Journal, last Friday, Henry Kissinger declared that it's now imperative that the world's leaders, even as they deal with the pandemic, begin to, these are his words, transition to a post-coronavirus era. Well, what would that look like? Well, he said failure to do so, I'm quoting him, he's an intellectual, highly regarded around the world. Failure to do so, he said, could, quote, set the world on fire. Kissinger said leaders are dealing with the crisis on largely national basis, but the virus's society dissolving effects do not recognize borders. While the assault on human health will, hopefully, be temporary, the political and economic upheaval it has unleashed could last for generations. He says, quote, No country, not even the U.S., can in a purely national effort overcome the virus. Addressing the necessities of the moment must ultimately be coupled with a global cooperative vision and program. His first principle, it's a long article, and I'm certainly not going to go through it, but I wanted to give you an honest take on it if you haven't read it, and probably many haven't. I mean, I I do this. That's what I do during the day is look at what people are saying and the news so we can talk about it on this program. That's why we do this program. It originates live, and that's why. But his first principle in creating the new world order is sustaining public trust. He says that has to happen. He says, quote, that is crucial to international peace and stability. Pat Buchanan, remember Pat Buchanan? He's a conservative, and uh, he's been around government. I think he even ran for president once or twice maybe, but he's an interesting guy. But he was wondering out loud in an article that he wrote after he read this this op-ed by Kissinger. Buchanan also had connections to the Nixon administration, as many of you would know, and he would probably know Kissinger personally. But Pat Buchanan wrote an article and he said, how do you trust again an adversary China? And he had read this piece. 
He said, how do you trust again an adversary, uh, an adversary China after its criminal cover-up of the menace and magnitude of the virus unleashed in Wuhan? He said, how do we trust again this regime that was until recently blaming the coronavirus on U.S. Army troops visiting Wuhan? Well, you don't. You don't. He goes on to write a good article about that. In fact, I, I linked it in the article that I wrote today at Faith and Freedom Daily about this. You can go to faithandfreedom.us, and the first thing you'll see is the article that we published today, and it's about this, and there are links there. But Henry Kissinger and Barack Obama are preaching from the same one-world doc- doctrine. So is German uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel. Others are still trying to piece together a one-Europe government. It's not working. Sure, it doesn't work any more than the Tower of Babel. That was the first attempt at globalism. And that's recorded in Genesis. It failed. I mean, God caused it to fail. That isn't God's model. God has a different model at this for, the, for this time period. Shortly after President Trump took office in 2017, Barack Obama zipped right over to to Europe, and he was running around with Merkel and others, but particularly Merkel, and together they were mounting a staunch defense of their brand of globalism. I went back and read some of the articles from from that time. I remembered that he was there. He was promoting his new global foundation that he had just set up, while Merkel was explaining to her countrymen, this was in 2017, she was explaining to her countrymen why the million-plus Middle East, mostly Muslim migrants, that she had or would be allowing into the country as she kind of relaxed the borders was a good thing. No borders, no problem. I mean, that was basically what she was saying. Kissinger in his op-ed on Friday said, the founding legend of modern government is a walled city, strong enough to protect the people from an external enemy. The pandemic has produced a revival of the walled city in an age where prosperity depends on global trade and movement of people. He called the idea of a walled city an anachronism or a legend. But I'm wondering if the nation state whose principal duty is the defense of health, safety, and security of the people, is that a legend? Or is the real legend, the myth, the idea of some new world order of countries traveling and trading happily with one ever after? And they lived happily ever after. God doesn't God doesn't endorse that. That isn't God's model. Even Alexander Hamilton noticed that. I mean, he was not looking through a glass darkly. Hamilton said, quote, Every nation ought to endeavor to possess within itself all the essentials of national supply. He understood that. God sees the world as sovereign nations at this in this era. Scripture says, makes it clear that national sovereignty, including clearly defined borders is God's idea. It's abundant in the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, we read, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods, the boundaries of their dwelling place, and um, goes on to say that it's because God is very near to all of us, and God is seeking to save all of us, and that is why he has set up these kinds of, this kind of a government on this earth for sovereign nations. That is a part of God's plan. It is abundantly clear. And it's abundantly clear in the Old Testament. But we live in a time when it, it's just the, the, the secularists are persistent 
in tearing down the borders and destroying the sovereignty of nations. That's the day in which we live. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing you right here tomorrow. We'll continue our conversation.